Hi, I'm Adrienne Smith, and this is the Messy Progress Podcast. In today's episode, I'm talking with Paige Ellenson, the founder of Africa Yoga Project, where she lives in Nairobi, Kenya. We talk about how mentoring others, sharing fully, and not hiding can elevate all of our communities. I feel like I'm a mess on the outside, but I see you as like, you've got your, your shit together. Like you're running Africa Yoga Project. You have, you know, hundreds of classes, like maybe pre-pandemic going on on a daily basis to serve the people um, all over Africa and like moving from New York City to Kenya. And um, yeah, like not a lot of people are willing to just take that on and say, hey, I'm going to do that. And, um, and so what like, I, I want to know is like, you know, when you, you were on that safari years ago and you saw the acrobats and you said, I'm going to go, I'm going to go do that. I can do that too. To the next step of you actually telling your parents, Hey, I'm moving to Kenya. What did they say? What was their response? Um, well, Adrian, thanks for having me. Um, I think like you, you know, I think because we've been engaging so much online and in programs, which I really appreciate you um, being so engaged and participating. I feel like I know you or connected. And I realized, you know, although that might not really be the truth, it kind of is the truth. You know, even if it's not the whole story, it's a part of the story. And I think, um, yeah, I'll never forget once there was a volunteer, I'll answer your question in a minute, but there's volunteers stayed at my house um, for like a month. And, um, you know, I was me, like whatever I do, I, I'm in my room working, you know, mothering, like balance, doing it, you know, doing my life. I'm a mom of a seven-year-old, um, a single mom. And at the end of the month, the, the girls, like we gave her a feedback form, like how was the volunteer experience? And she was living, living in my house and she said it was great, but like, I can't wait to get to know Paige. And I'm like, shit, it's like all I got, you know, <laughs> it's like there's no secret page out. Like there is, but there isn't, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, I think when, I don't know if you can relate, but like when, when you're running a business, running a family, running a house, I think um, sometimes people feel like they're not getting the whole you and you're like out there giving, <laughs> I'm out there giving like the whole me, but um, there's, there's always this feeling like there's this mystery um, behind there. So I don't know why I'm sharing all that, but like I feel, uh, you know, maybe that's partly our perceptions of other people right? That like other people have it more together than, than we do. And they, there's some mystery about that. Um, or is it like sometimes, I don't know, I feel yeah. like people want to know more of like, there's like, yeah, like you said, some secret. And you're like, no, no, I, yeah. I, I'm telling you all of it. Like, this is my family. Yeah. You've seen me Thank not you. clean yeah. my house. You got it. But got I, it. like, do we want, like, do you want to be here surviving? Friend? Like, I know you think I'm pretending, but like, I'm just like surviving, you know? um yeah yeah that's it like there's some secret when actually it's just like do the thing in front of you um okay so my parents I never actually had a moment you know it wasn't like moving to Kenya um there was never a moment where like I packed up a house in New York and said I'm moving to Kenya um 
it was it was just more organic than that. It was, you know, a two week trip turned into a two month trip, turned into a six month trip. And and I don't even think there was ever a six month trip. I think that what COVID has taught me is that I've never been in Kenya for what how long has this been now? Like since March? Yeah, six months. Six months. Yeah, I don't think I've been in in, in Kenya for this long, actually, since I moved here. So you know, because of I, I, I've been working as a facilitator within the Institute for the last, you know, 10 years while I've been living in Kenya. I've been a daughter. I've been, you know, a fundraiser. There's been so much that's brought me back to the U.S. So I never did have that defining moment. I kind of gave my parents like a lot of, a lot of slow moments to get used to the idea that I'm in Kenya. And I would say, if there's any time of my life where it's become that there's an impact to me not living in the same city as them, it feels like this would be the most profound time. This is like the first time I feel like my sister's like, I miss you, get home. Or my parent, you know, my mom is like, you know, I miss you. They've been going back and back and forth a lot. So I think, um, and where yeah, is like, if you were to say like, where's like home, like you live in Kenya, and then there's this always this, I feel I like, reference back know. to home. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know where home is. Um, I mean, I have a home here for sure. And I have a home in America. And um, I also feel quite at home when I'm traveling. So I, I don't know that I have what I grew up with, like a sense of, you know, I grew up until I was 16, 17 in, in one house. Um, I don't. I don't have that sense right now. And I don't think my daughter does either. I don't think, you know, I think that, that, um, you know, what I'm giving her, like if we were to do like a cost pro analysis, you know, like giving her a big sense of the world and culture and, and everything that that's out there. And she certainly is not growing up. I know. Well, I mean, everyone grows up in their own bubble, but she definitely has a pretty wide exposure to different cultures. Um, but I don't think that I'm giving her that sense of home in the same way that I was given. So I'm, I'm really aware of that. Like, um, I'm super aware of like both educating her about her culture, her dad's culture, that is where we live, but her dad's not home. And then like yesterday, I made her watch like the Netflix document, Amazon documentary about the Grateful Dead to like give her culture about like my parents, you know, because I'm like, what is my culture even like? <laughs> That was as close as I could get. It was like hippies. And then like, you know, with that, is it, is it home is, I have, I'm looking at this board up in my studio and it's like, welcome home. And it like, it's like a, a feeling, like a feel, like I think of that as like, I can create home like a, wherever I go. And I think that's like what always my desire is from like as a studio owner or like, I have people inside of my house. Like, I want you to come in, take your shoes off. Like, yeah, my house is messy. Like, even in my studio here, it's like there's, you know, if people were coming in, I'm not going to have a ladder up. But it's like this sense of, like, letting the guard down. Like, there is no secret. I'm not keeping anything mm -hmm. from you. And mm -hmm. it's, like, I can create this community here and I can create this sense of home wherever I go. It doesn't have to be at like a specific place. Yeah, exactly. I think that that's a really good, good way of putting it. I think the other thing is like, it reminds me, I'm thinking about going back to the States 
um, possibly before, like in the next week or two. If not, I would go back in December. And um, just as I was about to uh, like get on this, I told my daughter like, okay, you know, at five o'clock you need, you need to leave the house because I have this interview. But a half an hour ago, I was Googling hair extensions, New York City. And so she looks at the, um, the computer and she's like, you're not working. You're Googling hair extensions. And I'm like, yeah. And she's like, don't put fake hair in, you know, then um, that's not real. Like be authentic, mom, like be real. And I'm like, well, I totally real. I just want to have longer hair. Like, and she's like, you know, and then I couldn't, I couldn't pick something out of my tooth. And she's like, use your fake nails to pick it out of your tooth. And I'm like, okay, I don't have them on right now. Okay. I don't have them on right now. So I think it's more like, what, what is home? What is authenticity? I mean, I, I don't think that the ways that, that I think we have narrow ways of defining it. You know, like you said, like home does not have to be like, my home is, you know, and I'm on 675 Matunda Road because that's where I get my mail. Home is really when you feel comfortable or where you feel comfortable. And then authenticity doesn't have to be like, okay, I don't have fake nails. It's like, I like my nails. That's what, like, I want nails that look like this. So that's what I'm going to have. Um, I think it's really about, you know, not hiding or not suppressing, if that makes sense. Yeah, and that's like, I don't know, I think about the yoga practice itself is, I don't know, I had a teacher that was extremely wealthy, very huge, ginormous house, like went shopping for Bentleys. And I, like, in my mind at that point in my kind of journey, I, I looked and I was just like, aren't you supposed to be driving like a jalopy? Like, I think, you you know, you mentioned your parents in the Grateful Dead. It's like, that's who I think of as yoga. Like, you should be having like, you know, put yourself in kind of bad conditions and give away everything. And then it's like, no, 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 no. Like, it's okay to go and get the car because you can afford the car and you're going to drive a car with the best engine. Not for anything other than, you know, I'm not getting it for the status symbol. I'm not getting nails on my fingers for that status symbol. And I think if I look at, like, I feel like my evolution as a human being, like, the beginning, I always thought that like I had to have almost like if I'm a yoga teacher, then I have to have like the worst conditions. <laughs> you know, like what put that in my brain? And mm -hmm. instead of it being like, no, I can wear, I like to wear Lululemon. It's comfortable. Mm -hmm. It lasts a long time. But why shouldn't I do that? Just because yeah. there's something out there that says, um, you know, like don't don't give yourself the best. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think Adrian, you're in my sutras class and I think that, you know, being a yogi doesn't say what type of car you have. It says like, don't hoard, you know, don't steal, don't commit violence, you know? And so it's like, you can, yeah, have whatever type of car, but you know, if you're a yogi, you're committed to everyone having the best car, right? You want everyone to have the best of what they want. And, I think at the the end of it all, it's like, what are your values around how how you treat yourself and how you treat other people? And that, well, that's it's and that's not even my perception. That's what the yoga sutras say, right? Mm -hmm. What are your restraints around who you're being in the world and and how you're being for others in the world? And it doesn't prescribe what you have to look like, where, what ethnicity, if you're fat or skinny or old or you know it's 
none of that is prescribed. It's how you're being around it all. Yeah, and you brought that up, I think, a couple of weeks ago in the sutras talk, of, um, and I've heard it several times, is the whole idea of, like, be, have, do. Mm-hmm. Like, be, can you explain that? Yeah, so, um, I mean, I don't know that this has to do with the sutras, per se. I forgot what one, but, um, you know, in Baptist yoga, often we say, like, what we chase is what we'll have. And so we start there. Like, I want to have... Um, a beautiful family, you know, or a a gorgeous house. So we like, how do I get that? Or like, okay, I want to have a new computer, you know, like that's what I'm dealing with right now. My daughter is schooling on my computer. So I'm like, I'm ready to get a new computer because I can't deal with not using my computer all day. So I want to, I want a new computer. And, um, yeah, so we chase what we want to have instead of like, and then go, okay, well, what do I need to do, you know, to get that new computer or to have that perfect family? And then we go, okay, that's who I need to be. Whereas what like personal development would say is, um, you know, it really starts, and I guess this does align with the sutra, is like, who am I being? You know, when well, being is productive, I want to work right? I want to be able to use my days and not be overtired. And if I could start there, like, okay, who I want to be is productive. You know, the new computer would come or not come, but I'd probably even find less frustration and solution than sitting around all day being like, where's my new computer? Um, It's not even the best example, but actually I'm seeing something for myself in that. Like, I'm so focused on the computer being the issue that I'm not seeing that me not wanting to homeschool my daughter might be the real Thank you. Yeah, you and like millions of other people, right? And that's like, I'm in this world, I don't, my daughter's three. So fortunately, I fall into the camp of, I don't have to, I don't have to, let's just use the word deal. I don't have to deal with that. It's not one of my daily things that I have to um, worry about. And yet, I see like the frustration is real. And then also in the kids, it's like they're on Zoom all day, they're on computers. And it's like the exact opposite of what I would, how I would, I want to be doing. And, um, and I see the struggle for myself of teaching on zoom, teaching on video stream. And, um, you know, you had asked before about having me take, having taken a break and how the sabbatical was, was like, I was in a place of like, I didn't want to be doing any of this. Like, I didn't want to be, um, I didn't even want to be of service. Like I was just lost in my whole like world of struggle. And instead of flipping it to like, no, how can I be of service? Like, how can I be of service teaching? How can I be Mm -hmm. better, like be a better mother and be um, like all the things like inspired and excited. And, you know, my cup was empty. Like I can't, I can't give from an empty cup. And so it was Mm -hmm. like, okay, I have to go back to that and see that in order to yeah, give the thing that the only the give teaching the only way that I can give teaching is to spend a little time giving to myself before I can go out and do those things. And mm-hmm. to like kind of back to that conversation we were having before of like, oh, it's like no yoga is all up, in, in my mind. It's like at some point it's like, no, it's all about service. Like I have to serve everybody else. Like even if I look at like faith, sometimes it'll say like in Christian, it'll say Jesus, others, and then yourself. It's like, well, if I'm always supposed to put others first, but I'm running on empty, how am I supposed to be a good mom? How am I supposed to be a good business owner? 
And I mean, like, just be a, like in good spirits to do those things. And mm-hmm. do you struggle with that? I would say what I struggle with is um, uh, two things. Well, one, what I want to say is what I just saw in your share is um, so <laughs> I've been more fit and working out a lot more than I than I ever have, and that's felt really good. It's been something I really like and enjoy. And um, you know, if it wasn't for not having a computer during the day. <laughs> I probably wouldn't have time to be like working out every day. You know, like, I'm forced. So like, I just saw that. I'm like, oh, that's so hysterical that I want to like, there's such, there's been so much opportunity and me not being able to use my computer during the day. Um, yeah. Like if you were given like 30 minutes, would you be on your, like if you had your computer, everything's working and you were like, okay, I have a 30 minute, just like free window that showed up. Like, would you be on your computer or would you be, exercising yeah, computer that's what I'm saying yeah, yeah. no like I feel like it the circumstance forced me to um not take a break but take care of myself in a in a new way because I had all of a sudden this this time during the day where I wasn't didn't have the tools to be productive in the same way that I'm used to and do I see myself yeah I think that especially right now um I, I have to be really careful about burnout. I'm in, I'm definitely flirting with overdrive mode. There's so much opportunity. There's so much opportunity to contribute. Um, where we've been so blessed at Africa Yoga Project that people have really connected with um, our teachers, our teachers teaching, supporting a global community. I think that from what I understand and what I hear that between the crisis of COVID and really understanding what suffering or fear or pain feels like um, as Americans has connected us more with the suffering and pain of others and the potential suffering and pain of others. And also I think um, as people become more aware of systematic racism and privilege and Black Lives Matter, people are our people are more open to being connected um, with black yoga teachers. And I, I think it's provided so much opportunity. And then it's like, you know, when you hit that, I, I feel like we've hit that sweet spot of like so much opportunity and I have the talent and team to meet the opportunity. Like we have amazing yoga teachers that they're just incredible. Like, yeah, so how do you manage that? Like, how do you so like, like manage yeah, that? I'm not going to burn out and I'm going to keep serving. Yeah, I don't know yet. Um, I think the same way that I've managed it in other parts of my life, you know, just uh, one way that I'm managing it is definitely through physical exercise and eating well. I mean, taking care of myself physically um, is a huge contribution. Having a team is a huge contribution. Like if I do need to say, I need to step back for a minute. Like I have a really qualified, incredible team better than I've ever had before in my life. Um, yeah. And what was that like for you? Like when you started and it's, was, it's been what, like nine years, 13 years was 2009. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, like how did you transition from like, I have this idea that I want to do. And there's like a lot of things that I like, am curious about, um, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're a white woman in Kenya 
and you, I think you brought this up, this idea of like, you know, with, with the race conversation about um, like white saviorism, like I can't go into this area and just like think I can save it. And yet like you go into this area and you created opportunities, but it wasn't just you. It was like, there's a team of people. And at the beginning, what did it look like? Was it you? Was it a team of people? Like, how did you create this to be such a flourishing success? Uh, you know, I don't know. Um, I think that it, it, it wanted to happen despite my shortcomings. I think that I very much fit into the white savior mentality. I very much grew up with white privilege. I still have it. Um, Africa is very different than Kenya, I'll say, is very different than New York in that, um, you know, uh, your white privilege in New York is not as blatant as it is in Kenya. You know, I didn't understand it until I moved here. You know, in, in New York, there were too many, now maybe because, you know, police are wearing body cameras, it's more blatant, but it wasn't 10 years ago, Trevor Noah wasn't like putting out, you know, mainstream TV to say, here's a cop walking into a white person's house and here's a cop walking into a black person's house and look how different, you know, they're treated. We didn't have that on TV, mainstream TV 10 years ago, the way that we have now, but in Kenya, you walk into the mall and if they're checking security, they won't check the white person and they will check the Kenyan. And um, so it's so blatant, you know, it's like in everything in Kenya is more, it's like, it, I would have, I would have to be so in denial 10 years ago to not see my white privilege and have to face that a bit earlier, maybe than a lot of people have had to face it in the US. And I think that's what allowed me to say, like, what am I really doing here? And that's really what but it must have had something inside me that, that thought that way, because that's why Africa Yoga Project started, was like, I didn't understand this idea of like working for the rich and volunteering for the poor. I really, from the beginning, thought, wouldn't it be better to just like create opportunities for us all to have the same opportunity? Does that make sense? Like, I didn't yeah. want to like, you know, move to Kenya and work at some big organization using whatever skills that I had and then volunteer in the slums. I really did okay. see like what would be more sustainable would be to create opportunities for young people that are poor, that are living in the slums to be on equal footing um, with me and the education and opportunity that I received. What I also understood that I still struggle with right now from the beginning was why would I move to Kenya to take a job that a Kenyan could have? You know, that, there that really got me like and I think that a lot of us a lot of Americans feel because we're helping in third world countries that we're entitled to work there when actually the legal systems don't even allow that like there's a reason why you need a work visa it's just not as enforced in third world countries as it is maybe in America um but yeah so I guess I got that I'm, I'm kind of going on a tangent but it has always been my natural, um, my heart has always wanted to, to, and it's more, it was, it was just more blatant here than it ever was in New York. And I'm only now even learning about 
about what was really going on when I was growing up. Um, but in, in Kenya, it's just really obvious the differences and opportunities um, between what I had and what um, my colleagues here were, you know, have an opportunity for education and employment. Yeah, and so back in, like, was it 2009? So like, maybe before that, that Africa Yoga Project got started and you and someone told me this story. Tell me if it's true or not. So one of my friends, uh, he, I just saw a friend that I went to one of my first trainings with. He moved to LA and we were talking this weekend and he's like, I remember I was at level two and Paige was there and she stood up and she said, I'm going to create this. And you pointed to Baron and you said, and you're going to be a part of it. Is that how it kind of started or what was like the real story? How did Baron get yeah. involved in it? And it was like a collaboration of, um, ex, you know, great yoga leaders. Yeah. So it was similar to that. <laughs> um, so let's see where, where I like the marked moment. So in 2007, 2008, I um, was in Kenya. Um, we had a very small, small training and, and it's the, there was post-election violence that broke out here. So that training um, was canceled and we moved towards using yoga as a tool for reconciliation between tribes. And I mean, that's really where I think I really understood and started collaborating with Kenyans to be able to deliver material because also I, I didn't know the culture. I mean, when people used to ask me like, tell me about what tribe they were, I didn't understand what that even meant here. Um, and when the post-election violence happened, I really understood how tribe plays into politics and community and security. Here, like, there's such a long history uh, about, about tribe here. Anyway, that's a whole other story. So in 2008, I um, had just been in Kenya for a few months. Uh, being here during the post-election violence was something I had never experienced uh, growing up in New York, even you know, throughout 9-11, I had never kind of been in a war zone. And um, it was like that during the post-election violence. It was very traumatic for me. We were hiding while there were, you know, weeks of gunshots and fires outside. Um, so just that for just so a second, I, is like there's this, yeah. in your world, you're, you're, there's, there's literally, like, you could be shot to do the job in a way that you... Like you can't, you went there to do this work and like the, there's like a real threat for life. And yet like most of us are trying to, I don't know, figure out some new venture to go on. And there's no real threat except for like our own thoughts of like, oh, I'm going to get figured out or I'm not going to get it right or da, 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 da. But like you're in the trenches in a way, not like that. What's the thing in the trenches taking grenades, but mm -hmm. there's like, you're there and there's this real true threat and you're like, this is just, this is part of what I, in order to be like a part of the culture and, or, and like really get it, like you almost have to do that. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. It's it, like, it just felt like the right thing. I didn't feel like I personally was going to get shot. Um, mm -hmm. You might, if you've ever had the experience of that, I don't know. I just felt, I felt okay. I felt like I, I was going to be fine. And, and, it's very human. I mean, I, I knew the people that I was working with and I knew that I had access to resources, money, 
you know, I mean, I was writing letters to people at home on my, you know, whatever email constant contact list and being like, hey, here's a link to CNN. Here's what's going on. Donate. And I was raising like thousands of dollars. Like it didn't make any sense to me that like I could be a bridge between the, you know, where I was from and where I was living and not try and do good. Um, it felt, yeah, that that was, I mean, it was a difficult time. I remember when I called my mom and she was like, come home. Like, what can a yoga teacher, like, what are you going to do there, Paige? You're a yoga teacher. And I've proved her wrong. This is what I did. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so in 2008, I left Kenya. I think it was, I don't really know if it was April or August, but I was actually just thinking about it the other day. And I went to a training, a Baptist training. And what was funny was there were not more than 50 or 60 people at this training. And I had um, brought a Kenyan with me. I brought Moses and Jacob with me. It's actually the story I wanted to tell was actually before this, I guess. Um, but I was, in the, I was in the room, like that first night of intros and they said like, hi, my name's Paige, I'm from New York. And the girl next to me said, you know, that she's from Boston. And another girl said that she's from London. And, it happened to be out of those 60 people, the girl from Boston and from London, we all lived in Kenya and we were all coming from Kenya from the post-election violence and didn't know each other. So there was a lot of synchronicity that happened <laughs> through the Baptist trainings. And um, yeah, so that's when I start, like one of the girls was like, oh my gosh, you're doing this in Kenya. And she was obviously at a yoga teacher training. Like you need to be, you need to stay. And that was our first grant to do work with Africa Yoga Project was from the Open Society, from someone I met at a Baptist training. I think the story that you're talking about is at the end of a level two. Yeah, I guess that was even before 2007. I said I'd gone on a short trip and I had said in front of the whole group, I want to bring a Kenyan to a level one. And um, yeah, Jamie from Buffalo Power Yoga said, I'll sponsor it. I'll pay for the ticket. And that's the way it, it happened. I mean, all of Africa Yoga Project, I, I can name so many people, including yourself, the way that you show up every week, that like it just wouldn't be possible without them. And I think a lot of times people look to me or like say on an interview like this, like what magic did you do? What, what was, and I'm like, I don't know, maybe the secret is I've asked for help or been open, you know, for collaboration and support and, and actually been really, I'm really open to like participation, you know, and it being not just me. And then the weird thing is it ends up being everyone thinks that I did it. And I'm like, I did it. And I swear, like it, Africa Yoga Project, 100% is a community on every level. Yeah. Did you, were you always like that? Were you always, did you always ask for help? Oh, yeah, maybe. I don't know if it's ask for help because I wouldn't say that's my default. My default isn't like, because my default is to do everything on my own. But I think I, I like collaboration. I don't know if I like help, but I like like collaboration. I like, I love fundraising because I love, um, I love like giving other people, like I love like being part of the opportunity to serve others. You know, I love that. I love being like the bridge between different things. Mm -hmm. yeah, but I don't know if I ask that. Maybe I don't know if I've always been like that. I'd have to ask my mom. She probably <laughs> maybe she said yes. I don't know. 
Well, I, you know, I having a three-year-old, like, I don't know if it's just the age that my daughter is, or if it's, you know, like in her personality, but I, and I think it's both, but it's like, she wants to do everything. Like I got it, put on her own clothes, put on her own underwear, zip up her own hoodie until she can't. And then she starts having like the tantrums and, and yet like, I'll see other kids that are her age that maybe, I don't know, like it's, it's this weird balance of, did you, are you just being a three-year-old or is this something that you have like in born nature in you? Mm -hmm. That's, I I don't want to ask for help and I want to do it all myself. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what I will say is like, I think that my parents give me such a spoiled, I mean, I think I was so privileged and so spoiled that it did, you know, the, the flip side of it is privileged and spoiled. But I think on the, the positive side is I really, the privilege of thinking that anything is possible and the privilege of feeling like I can take risks and not fail um, the privilege of, of being able to change careers, of, of saying, I, you know, I want to be a yoga teacher and, and I'll be okay. Um, but these are, what I'm realizing now are these are privileges that I was born with. Because, you know, if I had the pressure on my shoulders of, you know, at, I'm 42 now, at 30 that I have to take care of my parents or at 20, that, I to, that I'm financially responsible for my parents or my younger siblings, would I be able to take any of the risks that I took at 20 or 30 or even 40? No. You know, so I think you, I, I think that because of where I was born and the race that I was born and that my parents were entrepreneurs and did well for themselves, like I'm, I'm blessed to be able to take risks that, that maybe other people wouldn't be able to take. And like, what I want to do with that risk is give other people the opportunity to be privileged. You know, like I, I don't think it's fair that just because you were born in a certain city, it's like my friend Jessica started Shining Hope for Communities. Um, Jessica Odede, she wrote an amazing book called Find Me Unafraid. Um, she, uh, she's an American girl who's married to a Kenyan and she always says like, it's like I won, she won the birth lottery. And I think that in the way of privilege so I Adrian what I'm saying is I think that a lot of it maybe some of it comes from my personality but a lot of it comes from the circumstances of which I was born that has allowed me to explore my natural personality and I really make it my life's mission to be the bridge to have let other people have their children born into similar circumstances because it's awesome what I've created out of those circumstances and I think that's the balance that I really hope that we can find as, as white women is to realize our privilege and do something with it for others to make everyone privileged or as many people privileged. Because I think where we get stopped is, okay, I see I'm privileged. I see that there's racism. I see that it's unfair. Where we get stopped is, boom, I'm so guilty. I'm such an asshole. Um, I don't deserve it, you know, and all that stuff just comes in and then stops us from being able to like make the world a better place. And to be honest, I don't want to say that's our responsibility, but in each human's responsibility to make sure that if we were 
born with something that other people might not have that we share that and that we make the we make it more equitable and i think for for me um providing access to opportunity and employment and access to well-being services is my path um for that yeah you said that to me or you said that in a, a, one of the classes that i took you're like if you if you're trying to figure out what to do give someone else a job mm-hmm. and you know something along those lines is like create an opportunity for someone else and mm-hmm. I love what you said is like the you know we've had lots of conversations in the last couple of months about race and like what to do and like I've been in the conversations with other white women white men of like we get hit with this guilt which can look a lot different like it can look like anger and aggression and then it can also mm-hmm. look like um paralyzation like I don't know what to mm-hmm. do I just feel so guilty that I have all this that I don't know what to do next like mm-hmm. and you're saying is like create an opportunity and like like for you it's to be that bridge and like you mm-hmm. see that you have this like I have this thing that I've created and I can actually be the bridge creator like what about the someone that doesn't like they haven't created an organization or they're um you know a they're staying at home with their kids homeschooling Mm -hmm. like what's the what's the thing for them to you know back to this like be have do thing it's like what should they be first and then what can they do Mm -hmm. yeah well so I was listening to Michelle Obama started a new podcast Mm -hmm. on Spotify and um there's I think the second to last episode as of today is about mentoring and you know her role of she interviewed her mentor um and i think it's really about be be a role model you know if it's not like give someone a job well i think everyone can give someone a job or give someone you know whatever opportunities you've been afforded i don't really see a circum you don't have to have an organization to give someone a job um and that, yeah, that's you know, what I'm like trying to get at is like a lot of people think like, well, I don't have the means. Like, well, I don't have a, I mean, you know, I know, I know a lot of yoga teachers. I don't have a yoga studio. Well, then what, what can you do? What can well, you, you're can a be student, you know, yeah. you're going to pay for class. Who are you paying? You know, and can you pay more than one person or can you, you know, I think it's really like what, okay. If you were to ask yourself, like, where do I try and like get a bargain? you know, and, and do that work first. Like, where do I try and like, you know, get, get by someone or get a bargain or do, you know, pay less, like, let's just start there, like in my life. And everyone could kind of do that mental inventory of what, where do I try and pay less? And then if you start thinking about it, like, okay, maybe it's because I like go to Costco for my food and not, you know, the local like butcher or whatever fruit store, like, is there any opportunity, you know, if my local fruit store is owned by an immigrant to choose this week, I'm going to buy my apples from them and pay a little bit more than Costco, because those might be there. Whoever makes them might not be being paid as fair of a wage, you know, like, and that's not, it's not even, if you even get beyond like right or wrong and just like, that's the choice I'm going to make this week because that would support, you know, the person in my local community owning a Costco one day. Like then it doesn't even be Costco is wrong. It's just, I'm supporting someone else to start a business. You know, one of my friends the other day wanted to 
his dream is to start a hardware store, like a hardware store chain in Kenya. And so I started looking into it, like how, what's the big Home Depot? I'm like, how old is even Home Depot? And it's like within my generation, Home Depot started, like someone starts all this stuff and it's in our generation. It feels like it's always been there, but a lot of it's like new. So I think that's what we can do, Adrian. It's just like support people that we usually try and maybe like in any area of our life where we try and give less, make the choice to give more so that we can support someone who didn't have as much opportunity. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. It's where we buy our food, where we go to yoga, who does, you know, everything. I don't know. I mean, in America, we do our own laundry here. It's like, we don't do our own laundry because we don't have laundry machines, a lot of us. Yeah, but I mean, um, I look at it as, so when I grew up, my mom was a waitress. And she also, this was before I had any concept of kind of what she did with her time for work, but she also cleaned houses. And like now I live in Santa Barbara and I have this thing of like, well, I could actually give someone a job by like allowing them to clean my house. And like, and what, where I get in the way of like, I get hit with that guilt of like, oh my gosh, but my, my mom was someone that cleaned houses. Like I didn't, I didn't get that much more wealthy than my parents to then be able to pay someone. But I'm like, why wouldn't I give them that job? If it's something that I can give and it's something that is going to give them an opportunity and give them money for their family. And it's, it's looking for me, it's even looking at places like that where, I get hit with the guilt. It's almost like a good place to look. Like, where do you feel guilty or where do you scrimp on the things that you're going to pay for? Where do you try to, like you said, try, where do you try to get a deal? Mm-hmm. Look right there. Yeah. And look what's close to you. And like, especially if you start looking what's really close to you, like your mom used to clean houses, like, and you get in relationship with that and, you know, that particular area that's close to you. You know, it's like, then it becomes even more meaningful because then the next thing you know, you're organizing for better wages for housekeepers. You know what I mean? It's like, it becomes, it, it, it maybe starts that you giving one person a job, but you never know when you're, when you're someone and that's to everyone listening and that's to you and that's me when, when we're someone who does have experience, privilege and a great personality, right? Like, an, you know, a, that thing in their heart. Yeah. Like believe that anytime there's any resistance to anything and you open the door, it might end up being something bigger than you ever expected. Yeah. And then back to like, take it full circle. It's like this, it's that opportunity then at that moment to create that feeling of home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like wherever yeah, totally. you came from, wherever you're going, wherever, you know, I think about the, the, the woman that, you know, helps clean my house every other week. It's, it's like, creating connection and community instead of like separateness, but like, I want you to feel home here. Mm -hmm. You know, we're sharing the space and like, I don't know, there's this, I have this, this desire in my heart, you know, talking about like this, this whole project that I'm working on of like heart led projects is like, I want to serve our youth more in, in this area and serve in a way of like where, um, like people don't have the financial means to attend yoga classes. And so those people aren't just going to show up in my yoga studio. They're not just going to show up in my life. Like I have to be like a speaker in that way of like, not where can I go and 
save, but where can I go and be a part of like this? Like we're all in community together and mm-hmm. um, yeah, be that bridge. Like you're saying is to give more when maybe I don't, you know, we've, we've had those conversations about like, well, don't give away your yoga classes. Like, but there is opportunities for places where to give them away and then where to get, like I'm looking at um, like people that are willing to pay more for something so that someone else Mm -hmm. can have the access. Yeah, totally. And then I think, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And where can, um, like in the, in the Michelle Obama podcast, you know, she gave reference to like, as a leader, the woman, I forget her name, but the woman that she was interviewing, like, where can she step back to let someone else shine, you know, to like let someone else lead the presentation and consciously as a mentor and as a role model, be the person who's willing to take a risk of something not being your way to allow someone else to do it their way. Um, And I think as yoga teachers and yoga studio owners, I really see what we developed at AYP, the, the model, um, that I'd love to like infuse in America and Canada or wherever else that's more Western is, you know, yes, let's give yoga away for free, but systemically, how do we create the opportunity for communities that wouldn't be able to access yoga teacher training to be able to build their own communities and get jobs? So, you know, is there any system we could develop where we're giving scholarships or partial scholarships and then committing to hiring people um, that are of different races and different backgrounds at our studios, you know, so that there's a pathway to employment, um, not only just um, sharing yoga, but sharing the, the industry, sharing the, like the, the industry and jobs. And I think that's a more, more relevant conversation in America now more than ever because of the unemployment rate and, Mm -hmm. you know, how many new jobs, you know, I think yoga and any physical and mental health services are going to be more needed in every community. And um, as teachers, how can we open the door to make sure that there's more trained professionals than the people that would normally walk through the door? Yeah. That's a good, that's a good Mm -hmm. quest. (laughs) Well, Paige, thank you for your time. And I just, um, I really enjoyed this conversation and um, just seeing where you are in the world and how much you've inspired me. Like you've, I can remember back to when I think I assisted a program back in, I don't know, like 2010 or something. It's like, you've always been someone that was in like the leading role, facilitating role. And um, it's good to know that like you've had the, the same like you have the heart that I have about like wanting to, to be a change maker. And it's, um, it's really good to be in this conversation with you, like as a peer and also like seeing you do like such in my mind, like such big grandiose things that it's like, no, we're the same. Like we're all, we, it's comes back to like where our heart is. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. I think, and, and just to be a hundred percent clear, I respect you and whatever yoga teacher, every yoga teacher and every studio owner is dealing with in America and in, you know, Canada and everywhere in the world, right? We're each fighting our own battles and we have just because I'm in like, I know Africa seems really far away, but um, 
it's not, <laughs> you know, it is and it's not, and it's not, you know, we're each taking on our own piece of the pie and it'll only work when we hold it like that. Not that, you know, there's one, one of us doing more important work than anything else. And if anything, the work that needs to happen in America right now and the voices that need to come out from our community are, are very important, you know? Um, I would say almost more important at this moment in time. So I think what you're doing is incredible and always has been, but more needed now than ever. I'm so grateful for you all for listening and for joining in on this conversation and telling your friends about the show. Our goal is to inspire you and everyone into action. Please take a moment to rate the show and share your comments. It helps us get in front of more eyeballs on the podcast channels and ultimately inspire more people to live a life of passion and purpose while allowing for things to be messy. See you next week.